Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. 907, the Show Me Institute, the uh, incredibly talented Ms. Brenda Talent is going to be with us. Uh, she's going to break down the uh, just-released national test scores. So uh, we'll kick that around with her. But wait, there's more. We have the Republican National Committee on board. Midwest Regional Communications Director Preya Samsunder going to be on board. Talking about e the economy and inflation and the border uh, as the midterms close in. Uh, MoFirst.org, Ron Calzone, a.k.a. Cazzone. He's going to be with us. Uh, he wants to actually uh, talk about, well, the his take on the uh, constitutional questions on ballot two. Uh, so he will uh, he'll be with us. We got Jim Babka on board, and of course we kick it off with uh, with Kevin Jackson, the KevinJacksonNetwork.com. I just discovered this. I didn't realize this till the president spoke. But one of the reasons it's hard to get Kevin to travel around the country is the airlines. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans, the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. So, I, I don't know, Kevin, uh, I suppose... He nailed it. He nailed it, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. He nailed it. First of all, I want to be very clear. I needed somebody to take me to get my ID so I could get a <laughs> ticket. Yeah. But but then when I get on the plane and you know, I start booking my flights and they're like, Kevin, we used twenty five dollars for that bag. Didn't you read the fine print? And I'm like, Dad gummit, my white boy let me down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin wanted six more inches. That's uh <laughs> That's well. That's what the president said. I didn't make that up. Did, uh... Tales from prison. <laughs> Listen, that is again. They think about this. This isn't. This, by the way, he's right it, it, to some degree. Right, the, air, the airlines definitely are doing this. But let's go back to the origins of this. Why did the airlines get to a level of desperation where they couldn't just say, "Here's the price of the ticket," and you know, it's not based on where you sit and all that, because we locked it down. We practically ruined their industry for the better part of a year. And now Joe Biden's like, now look at them trying to profiteer. Yeah, well, we did give them billions of dollars, too. So Yeah, well, some of them got billions of dollars, but I can tell you point blank, if you're when you cannot retool the supply chain. Just because you have money in the bank doesn't mean that everything is going to go back to normal. There's no way to plan. And I know they got a lot of money, but they were bleeding money. I'll put it to you this way. If you think that you, you stop broadcasting for a year and a half and people give you a lot of money and then you come back on air and everybody's going to go, okay, well, let's just start listening to Gary all over again. It doesn't happen. You lose that momentum. You lose a lot of stuff. And so... During that period, you got to start looking at how do you get this stuff done. And keep in mind, there were all kinds of restrictions. I know this very well. I know it very intimately because I'm involved with it to some degree. So you can't just shut these people down. Now, I agree. Come on. It's ridiculous. If you're going to bring on your purse, I'm going to have to charge you. You know, if you're going to bring on one bag, how am I, I going to travel without a bag? But the, the, to racialize it, you know, to make it about minorities, see, that's a perfect example of how the Democrats do anything. Something comes up, and it's always got to impact one of the disenfranchised, supposedly disenfranchised or marginalized groups. 
And so what did he do? Stopping black folks and Latinos from traveling. Yeah, well, uh, I really find it interesting because I certainly see a lot of us at the airport traveling. Did you see with the uh, report about the uh, reserves for diesel fuel? That uh, it is at a record know, low or something. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so then this is to heat homes. I saw, I saw something where they're going to be on ration. Yeah, uh, for the winter. Yeah, I mean, again, how fitting. And and it's funny to listen to Joe Biden's experts who say things like, "There's no amount of drilling in America that could have foreseen this or stopped this." Uh, yeah, in 2020. The guy who you usurped, he stopped it. He he had us independent of on oil, and then this is why I keep coming back to look. If if we let them torpedo Trump, let them hurt his legacy. It's not hurting Trump. It's hurting us because Trump did what he said. 1979, they they formed the Department of Energy, the Energy Department. And it was supposed to lessen our dependence on foreign oil, and he did it. He did what no other president did. And what does this clown do? He undoes it and then looks for excuses. Well, I just think that people need to recognize when they have to pay that fuel bill to heat their homes that this is what you can expect as the Democrats and the global warming idiots pursue this green energy deal. And I think, Gary, this is what, you know, while these other guys are trying to gain, like, you know, let's say it's Warnock or it's Mark Kelly, or every one of them are in trouble. Every one of these people, the con- con- congressmen and pe- all these people around the country, not just these type of the races we're seeing, there are D plus two, D plus four type races that are now statistically in the area where Republicans can win. And and I, I'm gonna t- I, I will tell you this, and I believe this with all my heart and all my soul. If the Democrats could not cheat, we aren't even having these discussions about who you think is going to win. We would overwhelmingly win the Senate, and I, I think you both of you and I said it would be like 51 or something. But it might be more 50. than that. I mean, it's looking like a steamroller. Well, they're they're saying 52 now. So and 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 it could be. But if they couldn't cheat, we'd be talking about 60. You know, well, it would be an easy win. We'd be talking about a house that would be so dominant with Republicans. And, and, and the other part that we would win is we'd get rid of McConnell. You know, we, we'd get rid of, certainly get rid of uh, Pelosi, but Schumer would be gone. I mean, we would take these guys off of committees. And we could get this country back on track the way Gingrich did uh, during the time of, uh, of uh, Clinton. So, uh, you know, there's no better time. And and when you watch things like what Joe Biden did, where he racializes something that, you know, you could argue is a kind of a legitimate issue, you see how, you know, how determined they are to separate. He couldn't just go on the win and say, you know what, guys, I'd like to do something about all these stupid fees. I, I could agree with it, you know. But when you start doing what he does, well, you know, black people can't travel. Now you lost me, Joe. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that I agree with him getting involved in the fees either. That's... That's up I don't to you either. I, I think say. the market, I, I, you, yeah. we agree there. The market will, will figure that out. But I'm saying we can be reasonable in saying he, he could bring it up for discussion and say, listen, I, I think it's kind of unfair that the, mark, the, re, that the airlines are doing this. But you know what? You fly who you want to fly, blah, blah, blah. But when he, you got to bring, and black people can't fly around, you know, and they, they don't have the, <laughs> they're not the ones paying well, for the leg room. I guess, luckily for me, I'm not that tall, so I don't have to pay for that. Well, that's because room. you're, you, you're, you're half, you're not all black. You're, you're 
mixed race, and so you're That's not true. as tall. That's true. I'm 21 percent white, you. so I don't. I, so I have we to find a different. I have to find a mulatto seat. <laughs> 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 Kevin's an octoroon. <laughs> so I, I love this thing about the green energy thing because Europe bought into this uh, and spent tons and tons of money getting off of uh, carbon-based fuels. Mm-hmm. And now, apparently, in Germany, they're tearing down a wind farm. This I'm not making this up. The dismantling of at least one wind turbine at the wind farm close to the German coal mine uh, Garsweiler, <laughs> operated by energy giant RWE, has already started. Uh, they're going to tear down the windmills to, to, drill, to uh, dig for coal. Right, because they are they have no way of. (laughs) I guess that the Nord Stream pipeline break uh, created more problems than they thought. Yeah, the irony is is just amazing uh, as to what's going to happen. And and let me tell you, they're going to get hit with the whole thing that's going on with Russia. They they are much more precarious than we are. So look. All you got to do is watch this stuff. You see these policies play out. And I tell everybody, do two things. Make a leftist live their lie. When they talk to you about capitalism, say, give me everything that's been made by a capitalist on you right now and get your little naked butt back home walking. (laughs) You know, it's just insane. You know, make them live their lie. Make them... Uh, take whatever they do and say, take it to its its logical conclusion. Take all this illegal immigration to its logical concusion, conclusion. Take letting illegals vote to its logical conclusion. Take any of these policies uh, that you want to the, defund the police. Take it to its logical conclusion. Look at what's happening right now all over this country with crime and tell me we should be even having a discussion about defunding the police. Well, I will tell you that I have to take a commercial break. And then we'll come back. Kevin Jackson. You know, just how to break up the groove, Gary. Yeah, I know. You're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 9.20, and uh, Kevin Jackson is with us. You know, I um, I watch the Mecham Auto auctions. i got a friend of mine that's one of the hosts on the program. And I, I, I don't understand this love affair with pickup trucks. It doesn't. <clears throat> doesn't make sense to me. Uh, why would you love a pickup truck? They, they were, they're work vehicles that uh, people would load uh, manure and stuff on. But it occurs to me, too, that, you know, different people get excited about different vehicles. For instance, the vice president. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about... Listen to the excitement. And and most of us, many of us, went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of it's part of our our experience growing up. It's part of a, you know a nostalgia and a memory of of the excitement and joy of going to school to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best friends, and to learn. The school bus takes us there. So uh, apparently, uh, different strokes for different folks. Uh, for, for, what a moron! Oh my wow. god! I bet she really? rode the Democrat? short bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow! Look, uh, there, there, there's obviously a certain amount of nostalgia if you see a bus. You know, you like, oh yeah, I remember riding the bus. But love a bus? No, I don't even think Kamala Harris realizes how many people are killed on buses every day. Do you know more people are killed on buses than are killed by assault rifles? Every single year, 
the 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 bus that has no seat belts. You ever had a bus stop fast? I had we had a bus stop fast a couple times. I was on it because I rode from. Uh, I had about an eleven mile drive from the bus to our school. And uh, when that guy would stop that bus, man, we go <laughs> careening into the seat in front of me. It was insane. It was worse for you because they always made you ride in the back. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. It was it was total se- segregation. And, Gary, you, you don't even want to know what they put us through. Man, it was bad, Gary. Yeah, and not a lot of leg room either. <laughs> <laughs> it really... <laughs> Well, you had it rough, I'm telling you. Yeah, and by the way, they're going to put 50, no, no, I take that, yeah, $50 billion into revamping all the school buses to make them EVs uh, versus putting that money into educating kids. I don't know if you saw this black dude go on uh, a rant at a school board meeting, very intelligent guy. Uh, you know, you could tell he's religious-based, and he says, "Why you guys are teaching these kids nonsense?" You, you know, you, and he was talking about the allocation of funds. He says you should be using this funding to teach these kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, and you're disguising it in this nonsense. And it was a very eloquent speech where he essentially condemned them all to hell <laughs> unless you figure things out. <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's just so true. You know, she what she's trying to do is is sell this concept of what they're doing with the buses as if, oh, look, we're, we're bringing new nostalgia. It'll be a whole new nostalgia with these electric buses. Let me tell you, the kids, uh, my, my kids probably ridden the bus, my youngest son, I don't know, 20 times to school. The majority of the times, we take him. You want to know why? Because we took him out of the school where the bus picks him up because we, we have uh, what they call a suitcase here in Arizona, and we put him in a school that was better better suited for him and his academics and what we expected from him. So that's why we get in the car and drive him every day. Well, um, apparently the the diesel school bus uh, affects their grades. She went yeah, on to complain about how it hurts them. Uh, let me yeah, grab a phone call. Just somebody wants to apparently talk with me. Sure, man. So if you just sit quietly by, yeah, I got I'll, stuff to do. I'll introduce uh, my callers and uh, we'll chat. Paul, what can I do for you? Welcome to the Gary Nolan Show. Well, you know, I just wanted to get Kevin's perspective on All school right. buses. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because, you know, because there's this racial element to school buses. I mean, don't what you remember you know, Kamala Harris? Also. Don't you remember Kamala Harris in one of the primary debates? Yep. Her, her biggest argument against Joe was he tried to keep her off the school bus. Don't, <laughs> don't you remember that? So, I so do. Have, we, have, have we all forgotten how, how Joe Biden was the guy you... Who prevented her from getting on the big yellow school bus? I just the that to, to me her whole yellow school bus fascination is just dripping with irony. That now is <laughs> that was her that was her best argument against him at one point. So, Great point, Paul. Great point. Yeah. yeah. Well, look. I mean, school from school buses to uh, airplanes. I mean, look at the race. You know, everything is race. What else we? Are, I guess buggies were races. What else can we put on train? Are trains races too? I mean, pretty soon we're just going to have to get at this racist transportation industry. And let's not forget, folks. The roadways are racist. Remember when Buttigieg declared that? Oh, the yeah. interstate highway system is racist because it bypasses black neighborhoods. Unbelievable. All right, Paul, thank you for the call and the observation. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, James has sent me a message. He said, good morning, fellas. Maybe Biden is right about this airline thing. A few years back, I flew one time on an airline with yellow planes 
that charged every fee imaginable right down to $3 for a cup of coffee and the $20 for a seat with extra legroom. That flight was probably 80% black. I also flew on another major carrier, didn't pay any fees other than my ticket, and it was probably 80% white. Maybe these budget carriers are really trying to stick it to people of color. Let's see. One of my friends, uh, he does a comedy set, and he says uh, he, he flew from Minnesota to L.A. for $27 on Spirit Airlines. And he said, the guy was complaining next to him, and he says, look, you can't yell from Minnesota to to California for $27. I mean, how are you going to get there? Any cheaper, so he he he, he, he joked. I mean, you got to hear the set, but it's really funny how he. T- but he it was he wasn't kidding. He flew for twenty seven dollars from Minnesota to L A on Spirit. Now he carried one carry on. He didn't pack any bags. You know, it was just strictly. He got the tightest seats, but he goes, "Hey, they got me there." And by the way, they've never had a crash. So look, we can we can debate this all we want. It is absolutely asinine. It, are the, who else are on these planes? And to your to your Steve's point, yeah, that flight might have been a lot of black folks, but it depends on where it was coming from. And two, I guarantee you, there's a lot of poor white people that would have been happy to get those seats or to know that that airline exists and they could fly cheaper. Because I will take the cheapest flight if if that if if meaning you know if, if I got to carry my bag and not take any luggage and buy a toothbrush when I get there, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> You are a parsimonious son of a gun, I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, Kevin Jackson, uh, the KevinJacksonNetwork.com. Uh, how you doing on your movie? Man, I got to tell you, I'm having a lot of problems with my director. I just sent him a nasty gram today, so may switch out directors. But uh, the movie will get made, but I'm not happy with him. But the, the content's good. We just got the books that they were made, you know, that it's based on going well all the other projects i gotta tell you gary i'm so blessed we're gonna roll out some stuff in the next year that will be mind-blowing so uh, I'll, I'll make announcements as they occur well i hope you're making good money uh because you owe me or we you ultimately you'll owe me a couple of steak dinners I've taken my money out of the stock market, and it's in the Russian black market, so I'm hopeful I can afford that steak dinner <laughs> that I really don't owe you, but I have to pay for anyway. Oh, that you really don't owe me. Right. Oh, you're going to owe me more than one before we're done. <laughs> oh, that's right. We have another bet. Yeah, make yeah. sure Brian has documented that and has that on tape. Cause yeah, because Kevin will change things you. around when he finds out he's losing. He's like a Democrat that way. <laughs> Right. I know you and Brian are in cahoots because there's a couple times I beat you and you never paid paid my stake. That's okay. I know you and Brian got something worked out, but I'll let you know. I know how you white boys are. All right, Kevin Jackson, the KevinJacksonNetwork.com. Kevin, care, thanks, fellas. thanks, buddy. Take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Oh boy, you got to listen to his show uh, and you go to his uh, his web page uh, and see what he's uh, he's engaged in. Because he's got a lot of things that uh, that he's working with. In the meantime, Jim Babka is going to be with us. Uh, and uh, he's got a, a YouTube page. And it's Grace Arkey. Uh, you can just look him up. Just go to YouTube and look him up. Or just look for uh, Grace Arkey. They're always entertaining. Um, and they're pretty neat. He, uh, he did something rather interesting uh, this week. And it turned out to be prescient in many ways. What was it? Well, we'll share that with you next on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 9.35. Got a message from William. When I was in school, no one wanted to ride the Twinkie bus. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got uh, the Show Me Institute uh, coming on board. They're gonna, it's actually going to be Brenda Talent. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, education and the latest scores. But before that, it's Jim Babka, Grace Arkey, uh, on uh, on YouTube. And uh, we, we're going to find out what he did that was uh, sort of prescient in the, in the story behind it. Jim, welcome. How are you? Uh, great. And how about you? Well, compared to who? Okay. We'll just leave that there. Okay. Um, pick it up later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you... Um, you had a discussion that you led, is that right? You were, you were, in, uh, you were in California yesterday, I was right? in California. I just got back. And uh, Monday we did a screening uh, of a movie. I was the MC for the event and uh, panel moderator. Uh, the movie was called The Hong Konger. It's the story of Jimmy Lai. He is a dissident uh, to the uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, who is trying to take over Hong Kong and is succeeding, by the way. So many people may remember that back in 1997, the British government handed off, without consulting the people of Hong Kong, handed off Hong Kong to to China. And little known historical fact, uh, the the territory that was actually leased surrounded Hong Kong, but did not actually properly include Hong Kong. There was no need to give it back. They did anyway. They didn't consult with the, the... with the citizens of Hong Kong. There was no referendum or vote or council or anything like that. They just simply handed it over to the Chinese Communist Party, and it was supposed to be one country, two systems. That was Deng Xiaoping's uh, uh, formula. That was the that became the, the infrastructure for the agreement that Margaret Thatcher uh, put together. And in 1997, they handed it over, except the two systems has been, erode, been, has been under attack and erosion by the Chinese Communist Party almost since the British lowered their flag and left. And in 2014, uh, many people might remember the Umbrella Revolution. Uh, this was, uh, this was a, a major intru- incursion into uh, uh, how Hong Kong governed itself. They wanted to change the legal structure of the country, and they made even further structure uh, changes in 2019, and the people flooded the streets. You know, these protests attracted on an, uh, an island-slash-city that has about 7 million residents. More than 2 million people showed up for these protests. And uh, um, they suppressed the, the protest and finally were able to do so with COVID. Um, they've taken away a lot of due process, and they've created a system where if you come in and, and uh, criticize the government, you can actually be uh, a seditionist. I don't know if this word sounds familiar to people. Uh, you can be accused of sedition. And they have uh, a new law that allows you to, 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 to be taken out of, under national security purposes, out of the Hong Kong legal system and put into the Chinese communist government system, even though you're not a citizen of that country. And the acts that you committed were not uh, even in uh, Hong Kong, let alone China. So Jimmy Lai uh, has a newspaper uh, that he had been a very, very successful businessman in, in a couple of different areas, especially clothing. He has uh, a newspaper that he, Apple Daily, that he used uh, to speak out against the Chinese regime. And they destroyed the paper. They perp-walked him through it. They took all of his assets. He's a billionaire. Uh, and then he's been in prison for the last two years uh, because he refused to bow. He refused to bend. And so the Acton Institute uh, in Michigan 
made a movie about him to get his story out. And uh, we sat and watched that movie and then had a discussion afterwards about, about what we witnessed. We had two uh, Hong Kongers on our panel. And what was, uh, you know, was there some parallel to the United States? Uh... Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think all of these actions that you see taken, <clears throat> I, uh, my, my late friend Marshall Fritz used to say the devil has no brakes. And if, if you see the, th- the, the, the activities and actions of this current government here in the United States, I think that the things that have stopped it are people who've, been, who've, who've refused to cooperate, who've refused to bend, who've put up with a great deal of... Uh, uh, Discomfort. And not, and, yeah, and, and not... So there's, there's the very first thing that happens when a totalitarian regime really starts to take hold is they get you to engage in self-censorship. They get you to hold back on telling the truth because it's socially uncomfortable to do so, or maybe even professionally uncomfortable. Maybe it will hurt your ability to advance in your career. And that's the first thing that they do. And once they've got that, once they can get you silenced, they can get a lot done. And uh, if you look around the world during the pandemic, this was a place that had some resistance. I would argue nowhere near what I would have expected out of people who claim to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. But it did show up. And enough of it showed up that we didn't have it anywhere near as bad as anybody else has. And China still has it really, really horrible to this very hour. Uh, they're still under a zero COVID policy. They're still locking people in their houses. They're still pay- taking people off to uh, centers. Uh, they're locking people in their businesses if that's what they need to do. And people starve while this happens. And they, you know, so starvation is apparently, you know, better than COVID. Um, and they just reelected their president for an unprecedented third term. And, you know, we all saw last weekend that he had somebody, his predecessor, you know, uh, taken out forcibly. Uh, before they would close the ceremony. Yep. Um, so this is. Um, are, are, we're too far down the line. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think Americans have the the will uh, to stand up anymore and stop this nonsense. I mean, there there was some resistance here with the, the vaccines and stuff like that, and that was good, but not not enough uh, to put not the lid enough. on it. Nope. 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 Not enough. And unfortunately, we have a two-party system in this country, uh, and people succumb to it, and they vote because they pretend that every single election is the most important election in a generation. Generations happen every two to four years. Um, And they don't actually have a long game in mind where they say, we've got to have people who actually represent our values and who will stop all this nonsense. And the real problem is that we give the government so much power in the first place, and that power will inevitably end up in someone else's hands. And, uh, and, you know, next election, election after, who knows when. And they will do things with that power that we didn't like, don't want, uh, hate, scared of. So the, the real issue is we have to get to a point where we learn how to interact with one another, learn how to talk with one another, learn how to solve problems locally and, and through social means instead of through the through coercive force, through the violence that the state brings to the table, you know, where it puts down edicts and says we will punish anybody who doesn't go along with the scheme. Yeah, there and there is so much. I mean, it, it just, it's overwhelming, uh, the overstep uh, that uh, government takes at every level. You almost don't know where to start resisting. It's just so much of it. 
Uh, well, the problem, I, I would argue, is that there are a number of people who know that something's wrong and want to resist, and they basically have given up. You know, there was a uh, very extraordinary interview that was just done, I think, on Monday with Christopher Rufo, uh, two, two gentlemen from Reason, Nick Gillespie, and, and uh, the other person's name is uh, fading from my mind at the moment. But the, they sat there and talked to uh, uh, him and about the policies that they're imposing to try to get the schools to not teach things that they don't want taught. When at the root of the problem, why do we have state schools? What's the necessity for it? Now, Arizona is the first country, uh, first state. country, first state that has uh, opened up and said, let the dollar follow the scholar, right? Like completely, this is what we're going to do. So there's some opportunity there for parents now to mediate those decisions, to decide what kind of values they want taught to their children and, and to pick schools that, that they think mesh with the way they want their children brought up. That's that's an answer, but the idea that we're going to start imposing additional controls, like if okay, if the left is going to be so good at putting their controls on, wait, we got controls too, and I'm telling you, those things always come back to bite us in the butt. Always, it's inevitable. I had um, proposed on the air, and I chatted with you about it this morning, uh, about a way to change the direction of the country. It's probably too late for this too, but it seemed like a way to uh, to raise awareness. Uh, we'll kick that around in just a minute. Jim Babka, Grace Arkey on YouTube, former nationally syndicated radio talk show host on The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. The talented Brenda Talent going to be with us in uh, about 15 minutes from the Show Me Institute. Uh, ratings for schools came out, the report card nationwide. Uh, she's going to talk about Missouri schools. Uh, then uh, we've got the Republican National Committee coming on. Uh, then Ron Calzone, Dave Rowland is going to be with us. By the way, I was uh, talking with an attorney yesterday from the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. And they're the ones that uh, filed a, a lawsuit to stop uh, President Biden's college tuition payoff. And uh, they not only are familiar with Dave Rowland, they used his legal service. And I'm going to kind of kick that around with Dave. Uh, he's got quite a reputation nationwide. Uh, great attorney. Uh, in the meantime, Jim Bab Babka is with us. Grace Arkey uh, on YouTube. Uh, get you got to get over there and watch it. It's entertaining. It's fun. And it's really informative. And some out-of-the-box thinking. But uh, I want to talk about libertarians in particular, I watched this debate in Pennsylvania. I don't think you got a chance to watch it, Jim, but you've seen bits and pieces of it. I've heard about it. I've seen some of the comments about it, but I have not actually seen it yet. No, due to it, my travel, it was a train wreck. It was it was really bad. Uh, I have no idea um, why the Democrats didn't pull this guy off the ticket and get somebody on uh, who was healthy. But I listened to the questions, and they asked questions. And I, let me let me do this. I'll, I'll give you the chance to be a, a moderator in a debate. And you recognize that Social Security is going broke. Uh, and that our national debt, as you know, is 31 plus trillion dollars. You're going to ask a Republican or a Democrat about Social Security. How would you phrase the question? We have a 31 trillion dollar national debt, something that was inconceivable even seven, eight years ago. It's growing by leaps and bounds. We have inflation rampant because we're printing money to expand that debt. So could you please tell me 
if you're going to save Social Security, can you do so without expanding the national debt at even further? See, that question exposes the problem. And, and that leaves, you know, you know, if you get a follow-up on that, if you get a lot of Bravo Sierra from the, the candidate, you get a follow-up, <laughs> it's over. Right. But, but you don't get, that's not the question they asked. They said, how, could, how will you save Social Security? How will you save Medicare without any, uh, you know, uh, uh, without even a moment's notice to, to talk about the debt uh, you know, because if you're a libertarian and you're on that panel and you get the question, how are you going to save Medicare? Your answer is not going to be what the Democrats and Republicans are offering. You're going to say something like, we're going to get the government out of health care. Uh, whose money should I take? Should I take your money or your neighbor's money to save that? No, I think we need to get the government out of it. And right away, you're you're out. You're you're through You're toast. You know, it, it, it's interesting because throughout my career, one of the things that I think that we have done really well, uh, Perry Willis and I, and the people that we've assembled around us over the years at Downsize DC and previous to that at the American Liberty Foundation, we, I, I think we asked better questions. We knew to ask better questions. Uh, and my, my, my celebrated example of that is the, build, the development of Truth About War which was 20, uh, just, just under 20 years ago, uh, when there was an attempt to go into what well, we did, actually attack Iraq. The United States attacked Iraq to dethrone Saddam Hussein uh, based on a set of lies. And we called those lies out at the time, and they couldn't be found anywhere in the media. The media was so excited that there was going to be a war. And uh, war's good for business. It's good for uh, media careers. And so they played right along. And uh, we stood up to that and, and dug up the, the information. But at root, it, it began with being willing to ask a question, what if? Like, what if they're wrong? What if, where, where, could we find the information out there? Well, it turned out the information was there. And there were people who were attempting to shout it that weren't being heard. But we knew to go look. We knew to go look. And repeatedly throughout my career, I've seen this phenomenon in action that libertarians ask the very best questions. And that's part of the reason we come up with different answers. Right, because we actually stop and step out of the situation. We're not uh, enslaved to a certain partisan team, I would say gang, mindset. And so we get out of that mindset and we ask heretical questions, questions that nobody else is even willing to consider. Let alone, I don't know if they even occurs to them. I've, I've often wondered what goes on in other people's brains because some of these things seem so obvious to me. Like, why aren't we questioning this? And they don't even seem willing to do it. So now I wonder if we shouldn't be opening up our own J school. You know, here at Columbia, Missouri, we've got the, the one of the nation's most famous journalism schools. Uh, but they're not learning these questions. Uh, I, I see the locals, uh, you know, the, uh, these uh, uh, college graduates that are working at their uh, TV station. And I don't see them asking those kinds of questions. Maybe we so, need our own J school or our own way to... You know, so there is a free market organization in Washington, D.C. Uh, that's fairly young, but uh, is, is growing and, and building and doing some good work uh, that has a apprenticeships uh, kind of program. They've basically, they're called Young Voices. They're essentially a PR firm for people who are looking to go into the policy realm or the media realm. And what they do is they give them, they help them get published, their editorials published. They help them uh, get on air uh, and get experience 
even at the national level in some cases. They've placed people on like Fox News and, and CNN before, but they actually act as a PR firm to help uh, a group of, of late college, early career uh, students, individuals, young people, uh, get in the media. And they do, I think they, they keep at least 30, some, they, bring, they bring on like 30 people every six months. And of course, some of them go on to have other careers and, or, or get into what they're looking to do. But the idea is to build up that bench. And so that there is something there that's beginning to happen. And that organization's name, people can look it up on the uh, internet. Uh, I've, I've done a little bit of work with them. Young Voices. There is nothing more disheartening than thinking you've come up with an ingenious idea that nobody else has. And then you talk to Babka and he shoots you down. And... <laughs> no, you should be excited that this is out there. And in fact, one of the panelists... Uh, at the, the, you know, the Respect America is a brand new organization that I'm involved in helping set up, and we put on that event. And one of our panelists was one of the Young Voices people. They have something called the Dissident Project, which is sending, uh, I'd really like to talk about this at some point. They are sending young people who, who come from either uh, authoritarian or socialist regimes to go talk uh, to high school students on campus. And they'll provide, if they can get 50 or more students, they'll, they'll, they'll simply send the student in to come and get uh, this, this young person, this 20-something person, to come in and tell their story to those high school students. And they just launched that program, and I was in, that's how I actually was connected to them. It's called the Dissident Project. So you can look up the Dissident Project of Young Voices uh, in, your, in your Google, and uh, you'll find them. And one of their dissident, young dissidents was on our panel the other night. Was, was there a great insight to be shared, or what? And can yeah, we... So- so, so, you know, she, in, in her particular case, uh, for her name is Frances, she was there at the 2014 protests. She was a, a high school student uh, during the 2014 protests. And so she was actually out in the streets during that time. Uh, uh, and at that protest, uh, uh, ultimately, there was some violence that occurred in it and uh, at the, near the end of it. And she was there. She, she experienced all that. Wow. Maybe I need to go there and get some of them to come on the program to talk about Oh my because gosh, the stories are amazing. Uh, so, uh, you know, a couple of them, their accents are a bit thick, but uh, I got to sit in a room with them and watch all of them get uh, rehearsal and coaching and advice on their presentations. So I got to see their presentations, and, and uh, these are upbeat, uh, happy, brave people who've been through harrowing stuff. And, and in one of the cases, the North Korea girl, her name's Grace, she brought me to tears, literally. Wow. All right. Sounds, uh, sounds like you and I are going to have to make a connection there so that uh, we can bring some of them on. Jim Babka, Grace Arkey on YouTube, or just go to YouTube and look up Jim Babka. That'll do it. Jim, thank you. Thank you, Gary. All right, buddy. Take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Coming up, the Show Me Institute is going to be with us. The 2022 scores on the uh, nation's report card uh, for, cl- for school, the uh, NAEP, well... Those numbers are out. Yeah. Brenda Talent's going to share some information with us from the Show Me Institute next on The Gary Nolan Show. This is The Gary Nolan Show.